The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, I am a boat Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about I hold to the book, The Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. Now, this looks a little different for those of you who are watching. Uh, what in Fibbin? We are lying. Um, we are lying. We are live today, uh, but we're pre-recording the show. So that's that's why the, the video is going to look a little different for you guys watching. Uh, but when you go over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, left side of the page, you're going to see the video. That's Bradley's show from the previous day. So if you missed that, you want to catch it, you can do so up until 3 p.m. Eastern, at which time we'll be live in that little area right there. Right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button. Blow it up on whatever device you've got, and then look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Click on that, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. We are also streaming live on Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. That's the name of the channel, Sons of Liberty Radio Live on Rumble. Please subscribe to the channel. And then also, we're streaming live over on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page over there. And we appreciate Michael Roach and his team giving us a platform over there because they get a lot of traffic on that website. Now, if you hear stuff going on in the background, again, remember we are live. My studio is the corner of my dining room. And so you may hear my family moving around in here. And I know some of you guys like that. You like the Browns Cafe noise going on in the background or whatever, uh, but you may hear that uh, during the show. I apologize for that. Just bear with me. Okay. All right. While you're at sonsoflibertymedia.com, right up under where we're streaming live, you can sign up for our email newsletter. Please do that, and uh, you get all the articles we put out for the day, including the morning show archive. So whatever we talk about in this, all the links and everything else will be nicely packaged uh, just so you see it. This is the one for Monday. This is the one that we did for Monday for the morning show. If you're watching by way of the video platforms, it'll look like that same title and same discussion that we're having here. All right, so be sure and check that out. Now, today, got a special guest for you, and we had our friend... Uh, Frederick, who sent me a couple of videos uh, from this guy, and I watched them, and I I like his passion. I started looking at some of the other things he did. I watched another video. I, I'm going to play just a portion of that for you sometime during the show when we get to that particular area. 
But uh, I, I immediately reached out to him. I said, brother, will you be interested in coming on and talking about what you're doing? And he said he would. So let me give a little bit of an introduction here uh, for our guest. It's Rusty Thomas. He was raised on the mean streets of Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, the Lord mercifully saved him at the age of 16. At the age of 17, uh, he joined the Army. He served as a M60 machine gunner with the 101st Airborne Division. Uh, he was a classically trained actor. Oh, that sounds interesting. And uh, he graduated magnum cum laude from Los Angeles Valley College, where he also received the prestigious Honor Chancellor's Award. Uh, he spent six years as a traveling evangelist and a short-term missionary. For two years, he served as a pastor in St. Petersburg, Florida. In 1994, he became the assistant director of Operation Rescue National Operations Save America. He served in that position for 20 years, and in 2014, he became the national director where he served for seven years. In 2000, he built a cemetery for the innocents and a memorial to the unborn called Rachel's Park Memorial. And in 2004, along with nine other saints, he went on a walk across America. This six-month arduous journey called America to Repentance for Our National Sins that brought national calamity. He has a father's mantle and spreads a patriarchal vision to reclaim the masculine identity that has been neutered by the feminization of America. He and his wife, Kendra, homeschooled 13 children. So he's even topping this guy here, <laughs> which I'm glad to hear. Uh, at the Thomas, Na Thomas Nations University of Righteousness, he works, exploits, and battles. His works, excuse me, exploits and battles have been covered by major media outlets through the years. He has 40 years of experience as a full-time minister, public speaker, actor, and author. Um, and as a matter of fact, he's set to release a, a book called Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. And there's some others that we'll have some links to uh, in the show. And it's my privilege to welcome to the Sons of Liberty, Rusty Thomas. Good morning, man. How are you? It's scary, brother. <laughs> that bio is kind of scary. <laughs> well, I'm usually not a great introduction guy, you know. I mean, put me in, coach. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You know, you you've obviously you you've been paying your dues, and uh, this was some of the, this was some of what stirred me up when I heard what you were saying, and then I started reaching out to some people. We have a mutual friend in the truck driver theologian, Bill Evans. And yeah. um, I just love Bill to death. I mean, he has been such a good brother to me since I first reached out to him. And we meet every so often, sit around the campfire or something and have some discussions with my boys and uh, some things like that. And Bill's just been a, a great supporter of mine. And I've tried to be that way back and forth with him. But I reached out to Bill and I said, what do you know about Rusty Thomas? Said, oh, he's a good guy. You know, he's he's you're going to get the thing on abortion. He's going to be about, I said, well, that's what I want. That's what we want to speak about. And so I brought you on because one of the videos that I saw, you were referencing a certain theology and you said, this is what's hamstrung the church in the, in, with regard to the area of abortion. And I couldn't agree with you more, but I would say it's done it on every level of where we're supposed to be taking ground and pushing the crown rights of King Jesus, because he's not just King of Israel. He's King of the nations. And every person who is supposed to be in a place of authority are supposed to be submitting to him first and foremost, and then carrying out his laws, his statutes, his his uh, his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, rather than their own. And so I want to kind of turn it over to you here a little bit. If you want to tell us a little bit about yourself more than what we've already covered, 
and then tell me what really got you, what really drove you in the area to see abortion abolished? Because a lot of people think with a Supreme Court ruling, it just went away, but that's not the case at all. Well, Tim, thank you so much for the opportunity, brother. I'd be glad to. Um, I do want to say up front that it was really important in God's dealings in my life uh, that he changed my eschatology uh, before he recruited me into this battle, you know, for the souls of men, the lives of children, and the future of our beleaguered nation. I, I was raised as a dispensationalist. I thought that was the orthodox view. Uh, it's a long story, but the more I studied scripture, the more that uh, I ministered, you know, it, it just became clear that there was a huge disconnect between the church and the reality of what we were facing in this earth. And, um, and so I, it really, it came by direct revelation as far as the scriptures and the Holy Spirit. Uh, I was actually in Colorado. We were in the Rocky Mountains and uh, we went to this church. I remember the message. Uh, it was, behold the goodness and the severity of God. Uh, love the goodness part. <laughs> they didn't necessarily want to receive the severe part, you know, yep. typical American Christianity. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and strangely enough, I, I was never invited back to that church, but they did put me up into a nice uh, cabin in, in, in the Rocky Mountains. It was breathtaking. It was beautiful. And what our practice was, Tim, uh, we had two girls at the time out of 13 children. This is our first two daughters. And I would put the Bible on tape uh, and play it through the night so that the scriptures were always going into the souls of my children, even subconsciously <laughs> getting the scriptures into their souls. And, and so I was, um, I was laying in bed. I was half awake, half asleep. I was about to get into the zone. And then uh, the passage of Luke 22, where the Lord is uh, instituting the new covenant and having that covenant Passover meal uh, with his apostles. And uh, this passage of scripture came up. It said, with great desire, you know, I have desired to have this meal with you. And he, he goes on to say, I will not eat with you. I will not drink with you again until all is fulfilled in the kingdom and the kingdom of God has come. And something at that moment, brother, it's like a, like a spark of revelation just hit me and it shot me up on my bed. Like I just shot up and scriptures like machine gun bullets were just coming into my soul, you know, one after another. Because in Luke, it's, it's kind of general. But in Matthew, you know, he says specifically to them, I'm not going to eat with you. I'm not going to drink with you until the kingdom of God comes and all is fulfilled. And then right after that, my, my mind went to uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, where he appears to them. Luke 24. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he's going, children, do you have any food? Right. Mm -hmm. And and they're out there fishing and 
they perceive, oh, it's the Lord. And, you know, they, they come to shore. He's, he's got breakfast waiting for them. He blesses the meal and he eats and drinks with them. And then, of course, you go to the, uh, the famous Acts chapter 10, where the mystery of the gospel is being revealed. You know, that the, the, the gospel of the kingdom uh, is now spreading uh, to the Gentiles. And that incredible encounter with uh, Peter, with the vision, and Cornelius, with the angel, and that connection. And then Peter comes to the house, which was a big no-no. That was a very dangerous mission he was on. But he goes in doubting nothing as the Spirit of God commanded him. He goes in, he preaches on the crucifixion, he preaches on the resurrection. And then there was, there was always this aside, brother. And I read this, Tim, like thousands of times, like thousands of times. I mean, I devour the scriptures. I just devour it, you know. And, but I never like, got the importance. Like, like he, here, Peter is revealing like the two most important interventions of god in human history which is the crucifixion and the resurrection of jesus christ and you have this little side by like oh by the way uh we did eat and drink with him after he was raised from the dead yep and it was at that point brother i knew the kingdom of god was here amen that's right and it was fulfilled and now it's just a matter of advancing it yep. in the earth and so that came like direct from the scriptures and, and from the holy spirit and uh it when i say brother that radically changed the projectile of my life like and it was right after that that's when god recruited me uh, into the battle against abortion and and honestly uh if i don't know brother i don't know if i would have responded correctly to the lord if he didn't change my eschatology because i was brought up you know why polish brass on a stinking ship why rearrange furniture in a burning house you know what i mean uh the, the world's going to be destroyed christ is coming back any second and and uh you know so why even bother why, why why do anything you know just hang on until you know you get raptured from your responsibilities here on earth right and so Amen. that was that's right that was that was the mentality right and so god changed that view and and brother it, and god used abortion uh a uh to give me revelation about marriage about family the importance of children and why the enemy goes after the seed of man uh, because he understands this battle a whole lot more better than we do brother because remember when when christ uh was present on the earth there was that time where the parents were, were going to bring the children so the lord could bless them and the apostles were like shooing away like hey get them get them the children's church the master is busy right and uh and of course this this angers the lord this upsets him he says allow the children to come to me now listen for such is the kingdom of god that's right amen and so in other words in, in god's divine mind children equals the kingdom and that's that gives us understanding why 
the enemy so goes after the seed of man because he understands this one truth brother he can coexist with salvation he, he can coexist with the you know spiritual gifts and all that kind of stuff he cannot coexist with the gospel of the kingdom amen yeah that is the toll of his demise and so what had happened brother is the lord set me up you know it was like a jeremiah thing i'm set up you set me up you know and uh he, he brought a threefold witness into my life tim uh the first was a video called the massacre of innocence by eric homberg and i had a, a pastor friend of mine he was a campus pastor said brother when you have a chance check it out i said sure and so one evening my my wife went to uh, a woman's ministry time and i was alone so i put the videotape on and uh it was an excellent video uh the first half he's tra tracing you know child sacrifice the shedding of innocent blood back to the tribes of moab and and amen um because you know that incestuous affair between lot and his daughters yep. produced those tribes right. and those tribes are what introduced child sacrifice and the shedding of innocent blood into this world so he, he does all that biblical you know tracing back and it was powerful it was well done but it was the second half, Tim, that changed my life forever. And so you go into the second half, and he has Pat Benatar, the old rock and roll, yeah. roll wow. gal, you know. Yeah. And so she, she had a song called Hell is for Children. Hmm. And it was about child abuse. Yep. And every time she screams, Hell is for children Ow! uh every time she she did that uh eric put graphic pictures of aborted babies now tim i want you to understand i was always a preacher of righteousness i i never shied away from the burning issues of the day and i even proclaimed from the pulpit abortion is murder and um but the problem was up until that point I, I argued i debated the abortion issue you know like there was pro-choice arguments and there was pro-life rebuttals and it just was an issue we had argued about and we debated uh but it wasn't until i actually stall what abortion did to these precious children who are made in the image of god brother it it just it it touched the moral cord i guess that would compel me to act on their behalf and so as i'm, I'm watching this um I, I couldn't take it it really it honestly brother it, it uh it assaulted me it, it yeah it just assaulted my mental faculties i i just couldn't take it all in and so you know i did like most people would do i i shut it off and 
And I was overwhelmed. And I remember like running into my bedroom, falling prostrate before God. And honestly, Tim, there were sounds coming out of me like a wounded animal. I could not believe that this nation had sunk to that level of depravity that parents would do this to their own children. And uh, it broke me. I mean, I mean, it broke me. Well, you know, there's one thing that we we say here at Sons of Liberty, and that is, you know, you you can say things and you realize it's there, but you don't you don't grasp the severity of it, even though you realize it's there and you're calling it out. And so what sometimes we'll say when the ears won't hear it, you got to tell it to the eyes and the eyes see it because they're the windows to the soul. Right. That when they see it, they're repulsed at it, even the people who are in favor of it. I see some of the kids, you know, who will have be on the campuses and stuff. They'll have those signs out with those probably same images of the unborn, uh, of the the murdered babies. And I say, you know, if your if your stomach is turned at the Mexican cartels and how they treat people or the Islamic jihadis, why don't you just look at some of what we're doing? It it dwarfs any of that by the millions, beheadings, dismemberment, burnings, all this other stuff. And if people could see it. It does have an effect on you that you go, okay, I can't just let that. And that's going to be something I want to get to in just a minute as to what are we doing as Christian men uh, in the society on that? So you're in, you're involved with that. I'm sure you probably had some involvement with some of the guys out in Oklahoma when um, uh, Mr. Fisher, Dan Fisher was running for governor out there. You're probably involved with some of that. Uh, I don't know if you, if you want to speak to that at all in pushing for a governor who or a guy who was running for the governorship who was not into managing abortion, which is what the GOP largely does, the pro-life groups largely do now. They're managing it. Instead, he, instead he wanted to abolish it, end it completely. Yeah, and that, that's so important, brother, because I always knew that the church was compromised politically because we were being led astray by the pro-life lobby groups, which were basically uh, men who exchanged God's truth for political strategies. And a lot of these guys and gals, they they know not the Lord, neither do they obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so politically, I knew we were standing on, you know, sinking sand. So, you know, most of my efforts for 40 years was fighting the battle at the death camps, fighting in the culture but politically, uh, it wasn't till uh, Pastor Matt Chuella wrote his book, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate, and then the abolitionist movement kicked in that took the principles of Scripture that we always believed in and that we were operating under, and this is how we were fighting the battle, and they applied it to the political realm. And so that's when I got birth into the abolitionist movement, because now we had a solid rock to stand on to fight this battle politically, where we're no longer going to regulate baby murder through pro-life incremental bills, but we're actually going to challenge the church uh, to regain her prophetic voice, to be the moral conscience of the state to have a mission to the magistrate uh, that they understand what is their duty before their king when it comes to the wholesale slaughter of these children. And so that was another massive paradigm shift, brother, 
And, and praise be to God, that movement is growing, uh, more churches and more pastors. In fact, uh, my book, Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion, brother, the, in 40 years of fighting this battle, the two offices that rejected me the most were pastors and magistrates. They didn't want to touch. It's always the way it is. That's always the way it is. We, we've talked about that before. You know, Jesus talked about beware of the, the leaving of the Herodians and oh, the other group. I'm having a moment here. It's middle of the day. Sadducees. Yeah, Pharisees. The, the, yeah, the Pharisees and, and Pharisees, the Sadducees, yeah, so you had, yeah, so you had the religious guys and you had the political guys. And he says, you got to be careful of those guys. You got to be careful of what yeah. they're doing because they, they both have some kind of advantage they're trying to gain from whatever they're doing. But so, so yeah, this, the point I was trying to make, Tim, yeah, go ahead. That just to show kind of the paradigm shift that's happening, the, the, the two offices that have ordered my book than any other are pastors and magistrates, which I, I can't, it's surreal, brother. It's, it's surreal. In other words, I, I got rejection down. I, I know. Rejection. It's just when people start to accept you, it kind of like makes you a little weird, a little funny. You know what I mean? But it's uh, it's it's an interesting uh, movement going on right now, brother, uh, with, with the abolitionist movement, especially as it impacts uh, the abortion debate in the states now. In fact, um, this came right from the enemy's camp when it came to our ministry, Operation Save America. And this tells you the the owies the, the, that they experienced through our ministry. They said two things, and this is so important for the church to comprehend. Number one, they're very much concerned how successful we have been in networking the church of Jesus Christ, the different groups, the different ministries, the, the different churches, the different denominations. Uh, they're seeing more and more of the church get on board with this network, and that deeply concerns them. The other thing that they were screeching, I mean literally screaming about, is how successful we are in converting pro-life Republicans uh, in the civil sphere to abolition. Again, where it's no more pro-life incremental bills. No, I'm a magistrate. I'm going to do my duty uh, to protect these kids. And I'm going to stop the shedding of innocent blood that's Amen. bringing a curse and a judgment upon this land. And we're going to welcome these kids into life. And we're going to protect them by law. Believe me when I tell you, brother, that resonates in hell. Like they are seriously disturbed and scared on the success of this movement in that regard. And it has to continue. Can I, let me ask you something, what you've seen so far. Now we got this, you know, ruling of this Roe v. Wade and you try to tell people, look, it's, it's a Supreme court ruling. It happened in one, it was applicable to one case. And I, I said, nobody wrote law on that. They keep saying it's the law of land. No, it's not. It's not law of the land. It's a ruling. So when they reverse that, they throw it back down to the states. Now all these state governors and uh, legislators, what they have to do is put their money where their mouth is. They said, oh, we're against abortion. But they keep 
they keep you know pushing the blame off on the feds now it's on them do you think it's an easier fight now that it's in the state and it rests in the states rather than at the federal i think it was already already in the states the states just didn't have the backbone to say you don't have a right, right. to tell us about this we're dealing with that you go do what we told you to do and nothing more which they won't do because they're taking the government cheese anyway do you think the battle is easier now that it's gotten back down to the states well let me let me just say there were two good things that came out of the Dobbs decision, brother. Number one, it revealed what we always knew, that Roe versus Wade was never the law of the land. It was always the lie of the land. It was always unconstitutional. Even the leftist scholars knew that. And so we just basically, you know, got hoodwinked and we went along with it, brother, to you know, obviously a great harm to these kids in our nation. Um, so they finally at least told the truth there. Um, the second thing that the Dobbs decision did was to remove the excuse from the church and the pro-life movement um, to no longer regulate baby murder, but actually end it. What, what, I, what I mean by that is... Uh, the pro-life movement was always telling the church, it's not time yet. It's not time. You know, it's not time for justice. Well, wh well why? Because the time for justice is always now, right? But no, right. no, it's yep. not time. Well, why? Well, because of Roe versus Wade. And, uh, and so once they kicked that back to the states, that removed the excuse from the pro-life movement and the church. Uh, to stop, you know, the incremental approach to ending abortion. And here's another dirty secret, too, brother, that the church and the pro-life movement have to own up to, brother, because every pro-life incremental law that was established under Roe versus Wade, it did two things. It strengthened Roe. It gave credence to Roe which is ungodly and unconstitutional. Yep, and this is the, the greater deal when it comes to the states. It, it, it brought abortion into the state statute of the individual states. Like most of the church and pro-life movement don't even know that we're the ones responsible for incorporating abortion at the state level in their statutes directly to pro-life incremental bills and so where we're at now tim is we're like pre-civil war you know when it came to the issue of slavery you have blue states that are going to double down on their bloody tyranny and their idolatry you know when it comes to abortion sodomy the transgender movement and then you have these red states um, that are going to act in a more pro-life way. Um, but up to this point, we have not had one state to rise up and completely, utterly abolish abortion. Um, a lot of these states that are red, that are going pro-life, uh, praise be to God, you know, the, the, um, the, um, uh, Surgical death camps are shutting down, and we thank the Lord for that. Um, but, but these states 
still allow for chemical abortion. They still allow for kits to do at home abortions. And so at this point, uh, we still do not have one state that has crossed the line of obedience, that has given God what he demands, which is justice on the behalf of the preborn, and uh, and start the process of cleansing the land of blood guilt. And so yeah. that's what we're working on now, brother. Yeah, Rusty, one of the things that I, I think hampers the understanding of the church at large has been this idea that uh, you, you mentioned all these other things that will happen as a medical procedure. But what about the whole idea concerning that has, I, I, in my mind, it has stifled the church and their understanding of how to really deal with that. And that is the the idea of using abortifacients and stuff within within families in the church. No longer, I mean, they'll give lip service to the fact that that you know children are blessing from God, but in practice, it's more like, well, they are, but you know, we just can't afford it and we can't do this. And I, I tell people all the time, now you got, you got 13 kids. I've got 10. Uh, my wife and I have 10 and, uh, you know, I, I'm not a wealthy guy by any means as far as the world is concerned, but we were able to do it. Sometimes it was tight. Sometimes I even had debt. I mean, and, and the Bible is very clear when it talks about debt as a curse, it's boy, it's an albatross around your neck. There's no question. But when you, when you have that going on and that's being taught and that's being practiced in the church, to me, it makes it much more easier for those people to say, well, it's not, I mean, it's bad, it's terrible, but you know, we're, I mean, it seems like there's something that's parallel to that in the minds of believers that they need to repent of, which is a changing of mind. They need to have that renewed so that they understand more fully why there has to be a press to protect that innocent life. And if that means we got to open up our homes to a pregnant woman who's considering doing that. Uh, or whether, you know, and, and by the way, you know, Jerry Falwell, you make a mention of dispensationalism. Jerry Falwell put his money where his mouth was when it came to that. He opened up his own home for that. Uh, he demonstrated the love that he was talking about. And people knew it, that that we're going to have to not just fight it on the back. Well, we've got to be that source that comes along and opens up our home or opens up our wallet to help those women that we're trying to help. Well, I will tell you this, brother. It was the... Um... God birthing me into the battle that opened my eyes and broke my heart. Um, for me, um, I was in full-time ministry, but when it came to marriage, as far as my theology took me, it was marry or burn. I was burning, and all I wanted to do was to have sex without sinning against God. I mean, that was about as far as my maturity took me in the Lord at that point. And then once God showed me the plight of the preborn and he broke my heart, he began to deal with me, brother. And uh, one of the things that he ended up convicting me about is how do you expect to defeat this enemy that's killing, stealing, and destroying the preborn when you are marching to their dictates? Son, you have the same anti-child mentality as Planned Parenthood. That's right. Yep, that's what they've tricked us into. And um, and I was horrified, brother. He he busted me, and 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 I I could remember like responding in such a way, like you know, well, Lord, you you could have this part of my life, you could have this drawer of my life, you could have this closet 
over here. But when it comes to reproduction, you don't have to worry about that, Lord. We got wisdom now. We got technology. We got we got pills. We you know we you know we know what we're doing. And it's like he comes back at me like, what part of Lord you don't understand, son? I'm Lord of your life. And I'm Lord over that aspect of your life. Now, gratefully, brother, as the Lord was convicting me, he was convicting my first wife <laughs> at, at the, the same, same time. Yep, same oh, thing. man, that helped a lot, buddy. <laughs> and so, you know, when we first got married, yeah, we were doing the, the birth control thing. And then God opens my eyes to abortion. He starts convicting me about marriage and family and children and true love and sacrificial love and you know, all these things, and, um, and and we repented, and we stopped doing birth control, and it's like God turned the life switch on, brother, and he broke it. <laughs> like, he broke it on, you know what I mean? And boo, 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 boo. Boy, the kids came with a vengeance, brother. And, and yeah, you know, it, you know, raising 13 kids on the front line of the battle, it was not an easy mission, brother. It was a lot of pain and sorrow and struggle and you know all that comes with that but i'll tell you what Tim, you know i'm 67 years old and the times that i experienced the well-being of god brothers when my children and my grandchildren are about me and i all i can tell you tim is like waves like waves yeah like Look what well, the Lord has done. Oh, it's a blessing, man. I, you know, we, we, last year we had our first grandson. We're expecting our, our second one in a few, a few months here. And, um, <clears throat> I, you know, I told my, my daughter, um, I said, you take that little man. And every time you just remind him that he is a promise from God, because all of our kids, every one of them that were born, the ones that were born in the hospital, the ones that were born at home. First thing they heard was Psalm 127, 128. That's what I read to them, and we prayed with them. Doctors in the room, midwives in the room, whatever. Because I, want, I wanted them to know that they were a blessing, and I, want, I, wanted, I wanted God to bless my children more than, than he, was, he had blessed us. And yeah. um, I, I said, you just remind him that he is found in the words of that, as I took that as a promise from the Lord, he said, may you see your what? Your children's children. And I said, that's who he is. And I said, he mm -hmm. is a blessing. And tell it to the next one, too. And I've encouraged our kids to do that, not for the sake of having a bunch of kids. You know, some people are very faithful with one or two that God gives them. Great. You see it that way and you trust in him. Wonderful. This isn't a thing about trying to, you know, blow up big families and stuff. But he does tell us, he says you know, there's a man who's happy. He's got a quiver full of them, you know, and we yeah, launch those yeah. arrows out in the world, hopefully for his glory and that he can use in the fight that we're in. So I want to ask, I want to ask this question. I want to play this, this part of this video. It's about a minute and a half. This was the conference that um, you had set up. It was, uh, and you were speaking on the doctrine of blood guiltiness, but I'm not going to get there. If you want to speak to that, we'll let you do it. But this was, um, this was some introductions you spoke of. And I think this is one of the things, boy, I, I, if, if there's something that I struggle with, it's the action part. Which actions are okay, which ones are not, and, and how do we go there? I want people to hear what you had to say here. Check this out. It's been said, but it must be reiterated. As God's people, we are not anarchists. We are not rebels. 
and for any government on the planet, if they have Christians in their midst, they will not find better citizens that will respect and honor their authority if they use it lawfully. Amen? We are not here promoting civil disobedience. We are here promoting biblical obedience, and there's a big difference in those sayings. Here's our problem. Much evil has been codified into law. As a result, it is our government that has become the lawbreaker. But we as God's people, as Christians, we must, especially in these times, remain the law keeper. Okay, I, I, there's a little bit goes on. I'm going to have the video up so everybody can see it. And I, I think there's a, there's a point that you're, you're bringing there. Under our Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15 and 16, we, we're, we're told of the only law enforcers in our land other than the president. And that is the militia. That's the able-bodied men. That's not the, the National Guard. It isn't a standing army or anything like that. It's the able-bodied men. Much like it was in Israel. Um, you know, when they first came into the land, they were, they were the, there was the militia who was established. And those men enforced the law. For instance, we read Judges 19. Uh, you, you know of the concubine who was uh, you know, terrorized and raped and ultimately died at the hands of these Benjaminites. And uh, the, when, they, when, her, when her, uh, the priest comes out and he cuts her body up and he sends it out to the, the 12 tribes, all of a sudden you see the men come out and they're like, show us who did this. We're going to deal with them. They knew what the law was. They knew the law had been violated. And they weren't sitting around waiting, you know, hoping. They weren't out there with protest signs. That was for sure. Uh, they weren't just, you know, passing out tracts to people. They went to go deal justice to those people. And part of the question I have, I totally agree with what you said. You know, our, our good should overcome evil. But I kind of asked the question, is it necessarily good to not put a stop to it when you know what's going on? And let me give you, let me let you speak to that. Maybe I can give you an, an illustration of what I'm talking about. It if we, um, if we, if we have time to do that. What is the what is the thing that we're talking about? I like how you said not civil disobedience, but obedience towards God. Can you help people understand a little bit of that? And maybe let me ask a, a little, maybe play devil's advocate a little bit uh, and ask a question. You want to speak to this for a minute? Yeah, brother. I you know one of the things that I try to do, Tim, especially when I'm training young men uh, in leadership and ministry and fighting the battle, is I really try to encourage them to think biblically, principally, governmentally, and jurisdictionally. And so God has given us, you know, four basic governments. Some add two others, but the four base, basic are self-government, family government, church government and civil government and uh, each one has their sphere of authority each one has their principles that they're to be governed by you know biblically uh, occasionally there's some overlap in that uh, but the lord definitely wants those separate and distinct you know and um so i know the the 
the issue that we're struggling with at, at what point do like we as Christian men, you know, physically interposed. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's the burning issue, right? And so, and I've struggled through the years, brother, with that very deal. Um, and uh, so what I have taught people, Tim, is, you know, like the symbol for God's authority in the church are keys, right? That's that's the symbol of God's authority yep. in the church, and that's to lock and unlock the door of the kingdom, right? So you repent, you put your faith in Christ, the door opens up, you're in the kingdom, you screw up in the kingdom, and, and you, you do sins that are harming the church and yourself, and you don't repent, well, they unlock the door, kick you out, hopefully you repent so you can come back in, right? So there's church discipline involved with the keys, which is very, very important for the health of the church. Well, the symbol uh, of civil government is the sword, and that is physical, coercive force, right? Where God says they're supposed to use the sword not in vain, but they're to punish the evil doer right. yep. and protect those who are good in God's sight. Well, of course, abortion comes along and betrays that sacred trust, right? And so now our nation is defending the indefensible, okay? And the sword has been corrupted and distorted and perverted. So now they're using their 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 civil authority to protect those who murder and then will penalize Christians who are seeking to peaceably save the lives right. of children. Okay, so like when is it in that situation, like when is it proper? Let, let me give you an example in recent history, brother. Uh, at least to let you know where I'm coming, where I fall on this. Because I don't, I don't see God uh, blessing like individual vigilantism or blessing the church to promote violence. Um, but there is a government and there is a symbol of his authority called a sword, uh, and that is the lawful, ordained authority of Almighty God. And this is where the doctrine of the lesser magistrate weighs so heavily on this topic, brother. I mean, it's really, really important. And so we had a situation in uh, Alabama. Uh, we came to the defense of Chief Justice Roy Moore. We, we worked with him, served him, helped him through all his different battles. And if you remember, you know, he was the Ten Commandment judge, and they tried to rip it from the walls, and it was a big worldwide media frenzy over this deal. And so what had happened was, you know, there was a lot of back and forth between um, the feds threatening him and all the, you know, the usual suspects, you know, ACLU going after him. And then finally, the governor of Alabama, his name was Fob James, uh, he stepped into the fray. And uh, he, he made the statement that if anybody would go into that room to remove those Ten Commandments from his wall, you would be doing it staring down the barrel of M-16s. 
And at that point, he was prepared to uh, call in the National Guard and the state troopers to protect that freedom for Chief Justice Roy Moore and for all Alabamians. And I truly believe, brother, at that point, Christian men would join like Bob James and the state troopers and the, uh, the National Guard uh, to defend, Amen. you know, that freedom that was standing in jeopardy. Okay. And, and the reason why I believe God would bless that is because we're, we're honoring the sword and the government that is ordained of God to use force to stop evil. Yep. And so, um, that's pretty much how I've, I've taught it, brother. Like in, in, my, in my city, in Waco, when the BLM and Antifa were threatening cities, you know, I contacted the sheriff's department. Uh, I encouraged them to do like a Minuteman deal in Waco when it came to veterans and, and uh, you know, men of goodwill um, to work with the sheriff's department to protect our cities. To defend our cities and um and so i guess the, the only thing i would say brother is that there should be a distinction between violence rising from the individual and violence rising from the church and i guess the lawful violence that comes through the sword that's ordained by God. Amen. And yeah, no, I, that, I totally get that. And But what I'm saying within our, within our form of government, the people are the government. The people. Not, not what we call government. They're, we establish them. They're our employees, our indentured servants, as we call them here. Uh, they're supposed to be doing a certain job. And when they're not doing that, but our, but our Constitution, the, the law enforcement part of that is it doesn't, knows nothing of the police force. It knows nothing of you know, what we think of in terms of that, it knows us as those who enforce the law. And so dealing with an abortion clinic, of course, we are not going to go in there and shoot up people and stuff like that, but take the role of what the police are supposed to do and say, look, we're here, maybe get with the county sheriff, whatever, make sure he's on board there because he is one who's elected to that office. He does have a, a certain authority and say, look, this is wrong. You know, it's wrong, especially if he's in your church. Uh, you get that guy, you get, you got to call him to repentance, I guess, first, and then say, look, yeah, if you're you ready have to go the do this, to the magistrate. yeah, us men will go with you. Teach us what we need to do. Deputize us, make us your posse or whatever the case may be. I really think that could be pulled off if you've got men of, of character and conviction who say that could be done and it could be done without the violence. Now, if the violence came on us and we had to use defensive measures, that's something else, but that's not necessarily bringing it. It's just bringing the person to those uh, persons in those uh, abortion clinics through due process, which is something we would want to have ourselves. So we do have that respect for the law, respect for the the distinction between uh, the people of God and the assembly and those who are uh, conducting themselves as the sword, as you mentioned before. But um, we're coming. Let let me give you you this example. Sure. Okay. So um, Louisville, Kentucky, um, we went in our national event there confronting a death camp. And um, through our work in ministry, we, we had a, a private meeting with Governor Bevan. 
and um, we got Pastor Matt's book, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate, to him. And, you know, he addressed us as a group. We got to challenge him and encourage him uh, to do what was right in the sight of God to make redemptive history as being the first governor that would shut down the death camps and completely abolish abortion in his state. And we were kind of kind of encouraging him, inspiring him. And um, so as we went prepared for the national event, you know, we not only encouraged him, but I felt like as a churchman, as a, as a minister of the gospel of the kingdom, you know, I'm asking him to do something brave, something very courageous that could cost not only his political career, could even cost him his life. I mean, people get crazy over this stuff, you know. And so I thought, okay, we're going to do a rescue at the, the Louisville death camp. And um, and believe me, I came under a lot of heat, brother, a lot of good friends, a lot of pastors, a lot of heads of ministry were rebuking me, condemning me, don't do it, don't do it, you know. But I believed it was a, it was a leadership issue, brother. And what I mean by that is how can I expect this man to be brave and courageous and interpose as a magistrate if if we as churchmen didn't take our authority and interpose you know as churchmen amen that's at the right. gates of hell and so what we did brother is and when we did this rescue that was that that was the message we're saying governor bevan this is what interposition looks like from churchmen from christians Okay, this is what it looks like. We're crossing this line. We're putting our bodies peaceably between the victim and those that would seek harm. That's the doctrine of interposition. And we're doing this as an example that you, as a magistrate, have the lawful authority to interpose as a magistrate to also end the suffering and the slaughter and the injustice committed against the pre-born. And Rusty, so that's can, can I how... can I hold you over just a couple of minutes? Is that okay? Yes, yeah, sure. Okay, we're going to close out the show here. I just want to get these in right quick. I just want to show the people these. These are some of Rusty's sites: JeremiahStrong.com, also KingdomLeadershipInstitute.org, abolitionstrategies.com and then rustythomas.org along with elijahmin.com uh, be sure to check those out catch Bradley at 3 jump over sonsoflibertymedia.com for the rest of this and we'll talk to you tomorrow Lord willing 6am alright want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio and I didn't mean to interrupt you there we were cutting out on time I want to make sure we got your sights in there Rusty you want to continue your thoughts on that no, I, I just, uh, again, brother, I try to, um, I always try to approach things as best I can to think things through biblically, principally, governmentally, jurisdictionally. You know what I'm saying? Now, I know that what we started with as a nation and what we now have become is, it's, it's hardly recognizable, yes. brother. You know, um, we're no longer ruled by law. We're 
ruled by the whims of political animals who are just intoxicated with power and money who you know use that power and authority to you know further themselves instead of care for the welfare of this nation so i you know i get that brother i really really do um but i also believe this is why um the doctrine of the lesser magistrate is so critical brother in this time of history and if people haven't gotten that book from pastor matchuela i really would encourage them to get the book because because here's what i see where we're at brother the the checks and balances that our founding fathers put into the constitution you know the bill of rights you know the declaration of independence you know all those checks and balances have been removed there's there's no accountability brother when it comes to this government in fact that uh, the more criminal the behavior the more treacherous the betrayal the more people like that are promoted in the united states of america and those who play by the rules who try to do what right what's right and do good they're penalized i mean that is pretty much the state of our nation you know right now and um and so the checks and balances we once knew they're gone and and just like roe versus wade was kicked back to the states it is now left to the states and the doctrine of the lesser magistrate to determine this nation as conceived can long endure we're we're, we're literally like in our generation tim we are literally like with george washington at valley forge you know can can we make it can you know you know are we going to be free men are we going to be slaves you know uh, you know the millions of unborn children are hanging in the balance you know on the courage of this army under god you know and so in other words george washington the founding fathers they had the the perspective like can can we survive this can can we make it can we endure can we overcome and of course you had that same uh struggle uh during during the, the civil war you know Abraham Lincoln's famous Gettysburg Address, you know, can a nation so conceive long endure? And so there was questions, even then, can we survive? Can we make it? Can we overcome? You know, and uh, we are literally at that point right now. And and by the way, uh, I believe like the government that the Declaration of Independence warned about I, I believe we have that government yep, today. Yeah, we do. Absolutely, we do. We've had There's it no for doubt a, about that. But here's the thing: we've had it for a long time. Uh, you make mention of Lincoln. Everybody knows that I'm a good old Southern boy, so I I look at Lincoln. He's he's one of the greatest tyrants we had. And I, as far right. as I'm concerned, you know, even the pitch for slavery that was sort of a propaganda thing. That was not really the issue that was going on. Uh, but nevertheless. When I when I see what's going on, I see the seeds of it were planted a long time ago. And you're probably familiar with R.L. Dabney, our audience. I've made mention of his book on secular yeah. education and what he said would come in. And I think everything that we're seeing is a result of what you were talking about before about getting the children and yeah. abortion. 
the transdelusional stuff that's going on now, the sodomite agenda, Islam, whatever false gods and Gaia worship and everything else that we got going on. Where, do, where does that all target? It targets our posterity. It targets our yeah. posterity. And one of the things that, the, that, I, that I do notice about the U.S. Constitution is it says they came to establish or they wanted their desire was to establish justice. And that, my friend, is the one thing that's being left off at virtually every turn here in Absolutely. the United States. Uh, would to God that we would see justice start coming forth, as you said, now, instead of, you know, somebody gets convicted and then it's 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, they're put to death. What, you know, victims, families and everything, many of them are passed away. Some people don't even know why they're being put. And there's no, there's no sense of what the scripture says that you put away the evil from you. That's number one. And two, it might cause the people to fear God, because if they yeah. are doing it, that's going to be your end too. And so there, well, there has and here's to be the thing that, too, that too, growth to it. Here's the thing we have to understand, brother. It, it, it is our national sins and national abominations that has given us this tyrannical, oppressive Amen. government. Yep. Right? Um, and so that's how God judges nations. He turns you over to weak and net wicked rulers, right? Um, a sign that God is restoring a land is... Personal responsibility, personal accountability. What I mean by that, brother, the, the day we start seeing these traitors, these wicked, corrupt individuals that are running this nation into the ground, as soon as we see them held accountable, brother, and that there are consequences and penalties to their actions, then you will know that God is in the Amen. business of answering our prayers That's right. yep. and, 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 and restoring our nation. And I did, I did want to get back to this one point, Tim, because the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, and I'm just, and I'm just speaking historically here, brother. When, when, when our nation comes to the place that it is right now, where we're dealing with overt tyranny and oppression and corruption, and as a, a magnitude uh, that we cannot even comprehend, brother. Um, if the state government, if the state magistrates do not stand in the gap, do not make up the hedge, do not put the chain, the constitutional chain on the federal beast and does not restore checks and balances, that's when it falls to we, the people. The problem with that, brother, is if you study history, that's when things get incredibly bloody. Yep, that's exactly right. Incredibly bloody. Yeah, because tyrants, you know, it's like uh, I hear the guys from the Convention of States come on, and it's like, okay, most of your stuff, what you're doing is you're, you're trying to make legal what's already illegal or unlawful. Mm -hmm. That's what a lot of it is. And if the guys aren't obeying the words now, uh, what makes you think they're going to obey these words? No, no time in history has ty have tyrants been stopped by mere words on paper. They just haven't. That that has never been done. So I I do think we're in a we're in a time. It's an exciting time, but it's also a perilous time, in which yeah. you know you made mention. I think it came right after this, but because of the uh, camera angle change, I don't know if the mic changed or whatever. It's very low, so that's why I went ahead and cut off. But you made mention of that in there. You said. Christians throughout history have had this kind of stuff come to them at different times in different lands. 
And now it's our time. It's our time to face these things. It's our time to, I don't know, as the guys used to say, put your big boy pants on and, and make a stand. Uh, and if we won't do it now, we're not going to do it in the future. I mean, if we won't do it now, when we might get some ridicule or we might get somebody who, you know, we might have somebody who targets us, I guess, uh, you know, there's some crazy people out there who want to do that. But if we won't do it now, what makes us think we're going to do it when they show up at our front door or something? I mean, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And that's why we got to really do the work at the state level, brother. Honestly. Amen. We really got to do the work at the state level and encourage magistrates, you know, and especially sheriffs. It's interesting, brother, because as I've gone around from state to state, meeting with magistrates, showing them their duty biblically, constitutionally, you know, um, out of all the magistrates in the states, it just seems like the sheriffs, they still have a lot of that American DNA in them. You know, they're much easier to convince of their duty, sure, you know, yeah. as, a, as a local magistrate, you know what I'm saying? Um, and there is that movement going on right now, brother. I, I'm just telling you. They're, they're, and, it, start, uh, it starts with the education. You got to teach the people first, because if they don't know, they're going to keep doing whatever they're doing. And well, it, it, it's it's education in this sense, brother. Because again, we're 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 calling upon state magistrates to do their duty before God and uphold the Constitution and protect the life, liberty, and the person, you know, of their citizens, right? Um, and so that's 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 a brave thing that we're asking them to do. But for the doctrine of the lesser magistrate to be effectual. You not only need to find magistrates who are going to be willing to do that, but the role of the people play a critically important part in this. Amen. Because yep. when we talk to a lot of magistrates and sheriffs, that's one of their first questions because they get it. They get it biblically and get it constitutionally. But then the question comes up, will the people back me? Like yeah. if I step out here yeah. and put myself at risk, Will the people back me? Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, brother, this is where we have to educate the church on the doctrine of the lesser magistrate because the church will play a key role in this. That, that when, if, we, if we find magistrates that are going to will the, uh, you know, do their duty to protect us from the tyranny of the feds and restore liberty and freedom you know, for our posterity, brother— uh, they they got to know that we got their back. They they got to know right. that with our with our talent and our treasure and you know, what, not you just know, that privately and publicly yeah. we're, we're going to support them. Yeah, not just that. One of the things that I did years ago, I was looking at running for sheriff in in the area that we're in, the county we're in, and uh, I can remember asking some of the other candidates. One of them, he was a uh, Carolina Pan he was a former Carolina Panthers football player, and. Um, I, I, you know, we were going to try to have him on the radio when I was uh, doing radio with my friend Jim out in at Northwest Liberty News. And one of the things that he said was, he says, well, what kind of questions you want to ask me? And I said, well, you know, we, we're just going to have a conversation, but it'll be kind of like, you know, things of, OK, are you a constitutional sheriff? And he goes, well, well wait a minute. He says, what is that? And he, he was open enough where he at least said, you know, I don't know what that is. I said, well, it's somebody who understands what the Constitution is and what their role of upholding 
the constitutional principles and things in case feds come into your county to try to swipe yeah. your, your one of your person's uh, property because they didn't quote unquote play income tax or something. I said, you've got to be a guy who stands in, in the midst of that. Or they try to come do something to undermine you uh, to the people and they try to take advantage of the people in your in your county. You have to be willing to go in there and step in. And he goes, he told me, he said, well, I've never heard anything that they said. I thought I was just supposed to cover the budget and make sure it's done and make sure the daily day. I mean, that's what they're taught to do. And he said, where can I find out more about this? So I pointed him to the, the constitutional sheriff's issue um, at the time, you know, Richard Mack, as far as understanding what that yep. entailed. And he was very appreciative of it. And of course, he didn't come on the show. He says, I don't want to come on and look like an idiot. And I said, well, I don't want you to do that either. I wasn't trying to embarrass you. I was happy he acknowledged it was there and he was willing to look it up. That was great. But one of the things I looked at too was, you know, you come in and you start telling people, look, if you if you really are serious about the people taking back their power, okay, I'm going to be your sheriff. You guys who want to be part of my posse, part of, for lack of a better term, the militia, of the constitutional militia, you come, we'll train you. We'll teach you how to collect evidence. We'll teach you how to serve warrants. We'll teach you how to do the duty. And then here's what we'll do. As deputies start retiring or they get fired or they're laid off, whatever the case may be, some of you guys take their place and we'll, we'll leave a certain amount in place until, you know, the men learn this in a, in a bigger number to where they can work like a volunteer fire department works in the county as the militia. They can actually involve themselves in that. And that way we start thinning out this quote unquote, thin blue line stuff, it starts being the people who are exercising the enforcement of law, bringing people to justice through due process and things of that nature. Again, not a violent thing, but taking over the responsibilities that somehow our forefathers have usurped or not usurped, but they've abrogated and they've given it to hirelings instead of doing it themselves and ensuring uh, that that peace and prosperity that uh, that God tells about in Deuteronomy 28 about blessings on a land that will obey his commands, we could do that ourselves. Now, I, I, I grant it's going to take some time because you got to teach that to these people. But that's the yeah. point. We got to start it somewhere. And some guys, Matt Trujell has been doing it. You're doing it. There's people been doing it uh, in other places. Bradley does that as he goes around and teaches in the, uh, in the United States as well. And that's getting people educated, getting them to think properly and rightly because yeah. I, I'm convinced, yeah, God can just change everybody's hearts right now. And that's something too we haven't touched on. And I want to touch on that next if we can, just for a few minutes. It, 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 but he uses means to do it. He uses means to do it. And that means he uses men. So let me ask you this. This will be the final thing. I'm going to give you the final word on it. And then when you're done, I want you to tell people again about your websites and I'll bring them up again. But how is not just teaching the doctrine of lesser magistrates, but the gospel of the kingdom, that there is a king, that he has a kingdom, that he has laws, and that all men now, you know, God winked at it in times past, but he's commanded all men now everywhere to repent because he set aside a day in which he's going to judge. So how important is the gospel message in the midst of all this other teaching? Oh, brother, it's, it's huge. You know, um, I remember just sharing recently, um, I was preaching, I said, when I say Jesus is Lord, that's not just some spiritual affirmation. It's one of the most profound political statements Amen. in all of history. You know, one of the huge, you talk about education, brother. 
one of the huge areas where the church herself needs to get her mind renewed and educated is most pulpits, most pastors do not preach or teach on a biblical worldview of civil government. And we've created this, this sacred and secular two-kingdom gobbledygook, brother, you know, that has just make, made us impotent when it comes to being salt and light, you know, in the world. So, you know, you, if you look at our Lord, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, yes, he has some ecclesiastical titles that we love. He's our great shepherd. You know, he lays down his life for his sheep. He's the bishop of our souls. But the majority of the titles of the Lord are king, lord, judge, ruler, governor of the nations. Now, brother, these are political titles. And so the apostle John comes along and says, Jesus Christ is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He didn't say he's king of pastors and Lord of bishops. In fact, uh, in, in the book of Revelation, it says Jesus Christ is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Now, brother, that understanding, that biblical truth is so missing in the heart and the soul of God's people. Yep. It, and, 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 and that era has caused such devastating harm to our people, to our nation, and it's threatening our future. It truly, truly is. And so, brother, this is, this is a, a huge key like my, my favorite psalm probably well one of my favorite songs is like psalm chapter two right why do mine they, too yep why do the heathen rage right why do the people plot a vain thing we're going to break his cords you know we're going to cut ties with him and you know this makes the lord laugh he chuckles and of course when god laughs in heaven it's not too funny here on earth you know and and then he sets up his king on his holy hill, and he promises to give him the nations and the uttermost parts of the earth as his possession. And because he's been established on the holy hill, Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father, expecting henceforth till all his enemies be made his footstool. And when Christ is seated, the warning goes out. And brother, the warning goes out specifically to the kings That's and right. the judges of this world. Yeah, they better kiss the sun not lest they the be citizens. angry. Yeah, not, not to the citizens, but to those in human government. And it's very clear, you better, you better humble yourself. You better bow down. You, you better kiss and worship the sun. Because if he don't, if you don't, he's got a rod in his hand, he's going to bust you up. And that's what's happening to America right now, bro. He's he's just busting us up. Yes, yeah. It, it's it, it's happening. All right, and this is why we have to repent, brother. This is why we have to turn back to God. This is why we got to discuss these issues. This is why we got to educate the church, brother, and then th and the church begin to educate our culture 
and the magistrates of the United States of America, brother. Amen. Because Jesus Amen. is not just Lord of the church, he's king of the state. That's right. And the state is in disobedience to her king. That's why we're suffering. And Amen. we got to get back to that biblical truth and understanding, brother, to secure a future and a hope for our kids. Amen. Amen. I, I think that's a good word to end on. Those are things that we've been stressing here at the Sons of Liberty, too. Uh, Rusty, will you take time and just mention your, your five websites here, and we'll let people check those out. Sure. You're going to put them up there? Bro? I'm going to put them up, bro. I'm going to put them up. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, here's uh, here's Jeremiah Strong. And we, we just um, published that book, brother, of his incredible testimony of our 16-year-old son um, who God gave him a mighty cross to bear, and he bared it well. He lived, and he served, and he died well for his Lord, and, and it touched the nations of the earth, brother. So that that's the that's the website where they can get the book and some of Jeremiah's ministry there. So that's one um, website we have. Um, this is this this is really directly connected to a lot of what we're talking about here, brother. This is called the Kingdom Leadership Institute, raising up leaders at time like this demands. And so with this website, brother, we're going to hopefully start in the spring of next year to do our pilot semester. But this website, it's an online school. It has three fields of study to raise up faithful pastors and elders in the body of Christ who will not only equip the church to do the work of the ministry, but to begin to fight the Lord's battles that we have not done, uh, you know, to our shame uh, and to disgrace of this nation. Um, and then you have, uh, this is, uh, uh, yeah, about uh, our abolish abortion. Um, strategies here. This this uh, contains our book, the biblical strategies to abolish abortion. Uh, they can sign up over there. There's a video series there, the book, and and it helps equip the church to fight the battle, the Lord's way, and end the Holocaust in America. So we got that. Um, you can go on. Oh, this is our our podcast. Um, we drop a podcast episode every Monday. Um, so they can listen, and we also have a blog post on there uh, that they can access. I do writings and stuff like that, so that's available. And then we got Elijah Ministries. Um, this has been our longstanding ministry since uh, December of 1985. And the other thing I'll just let the folks know real quick, brother, we're moving to Florida very soon, and we're going to be starting a church called the American Reformation Church. And it's based on the four F's, brother, uh, faith, fatherhood, family, and freedom. And so we want to uh, establish a church that will be an antidote to the poison that is uh, savaging our people. Amen. Amen. Rusty, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for making time and for staying over a little bit with us. We appreciate you very much. And uh, guys, we'll have Rusty's stuff set up so that we can... Um, or so that you can access it in our archives. Rusty, if you'll stay on just uh, for a second, I'll finish up here and then I'll say goodbye to you off air. Guys, catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then Lord willing, I'm going to be back with you in the morning, 6 a.m. Talk to you then. See you.